0: Welcome to this NHS Confederation podcast produced for the new Community Network. The network has been jointly established by the NHS Confederation and NHS providers to strengthen the focus on the work of community based services. I'm going to um, take a bit of a liberty, really, and I'm going to change the title and say the future is not out there, the future is here, and it's here now.
1: What we need to do is to make sure that we get the right strategic investment out of the financially sustainable settlement which keep people out of hospitals and care homes as much as possible.
2: Us NHS providers and social care providers need to get their act together to collaborate across each other rather than think the Commissioner has to be involved in every conversation.
3: Hello, my name is Phil McCarville from the NHS Confederation. I'm joined today by colleagues from Ambulance Services, Community Services and Social Care to explore the role of these vital services in transforming how care is experienced and delivered.
2: I'll let my colleagues introduce themselves. Hi, uh, my name is Matthew Wynn. I'm Chief Executive of Cambridgeshire Community Trust and the Chair of the Community Network.
0: Hello, Lena Samuels, Chair of South Central Ambulance Service.
1: Hello, my name is David Pearson. I'm the Director of Adult Social Care and, and STP Lead for Nottingham and Nottinghamshire, and also trustee of ADAS.
3: Thanks for that. I'll start with David. So what's the role of community services, social care and ambulance services in the changing the way that care is delivered?
1: There has been the biggest demographic change in our population in terms of Growth in the numbers of people over 85, people living longer, and we need therefore to change the model if we're going to fulfil their aspirations, which is to have, most people tell us, is to help them live at home. And therefore, we need to better manage people's needs in the community, invest in approaches that promote independence, rehabilitation, put people in control in a partnership way with their own care and treatment, which is what we know will make a difference to people's lives and help the system, health and social care services and wider public services such as housing better meet their needs. Matthew.
2: I think our role as leaders is to move us from a reactive uh, set of services that work in isolation of each other to one that uh, shares data that is based on people having personalized care and trying to care for themselves as much as possible and then being preventative in our approach. So I would argue that currently we don't see or we have no oversight or no uh, preventative proactive plan for as many people as we should. And if without that plan and without that forefront, there is no way that social care General practice, GPs working out of hours, the ambulance service will ever be able to deliver proactive planned care in the right way. And we will always do what we do now. Too much is default to using emergency care because the rest of us aren't operating in an integrated way. Lena.
0: Integration for us is a fantastic opportunity, in actual fact. Um, we sit almost with a helicopter view over multiple health economies and can see that there are tremendous opportunities for collaboration in order to meet local patient need in accordance with how the population is, is going to take shape in the future. Um, so we've had some really good conversations with a variety of different stakeholders across the four principal counties that we look after. And we've made sure that the role from the ambulance sector is to get in at the very first opportunity and start having the conversations, bringing to bear the kind of experience we have, what we're picking up at the ground um, and helping to shape and reconfigure what that service is going to look like. But more importantly, how we're going to help all of our care partners navigate the patient through variety of different opportunities and services and care that we can provide for them in an intelligent way
3: and can you give us some examples of the practical things that you're doing in your local areas to change the way that services are delivered and and care is
1: experienced one of the things that we've been doing in Nottingham Nottinghamshire is implementing multidisciplinary working based in primary care a second example is something called call for care which is based around responding to people's urgent needs Within two hours, where there might be a risk of hospitalisation or other some other event, to try and direct people to the next to the most appropriate service quickly. This has led to reductions in ambulance call-outs, reductions in admissions, and reductions in length of stay.
2: Matthew, in your area, with general practice, I have fully adopted the National Association of Primary Care Primary Care Home Initiative. That's wrapping. Uh, all our care, whether it be from a social worker, a community health nurse, around a designated and defined population uh, based on the GP list. Um, it has meant us understanding exactly on good data um, the needs of all of our populations. So we've segmented all our over 65 year olds in Luton uh, and looked at their morbidity, From mild through to severe, it then allows us, and is beginning to allow us, to be really targeted in our approach. And do we have the evidence that this works? That any that that this makes a difference? We all have data. What we don't have is a non-hospitally orientated, standardised way of describing success that we can use in every single area. So when national figures want to quote about A and E attendances, etc., they can equally have something that describes care at home, so we do need that delivered. We have already tested out through the Vanguard programme, especially around care homes, and have absolutely evidence-based details that the approach works, but we've got to industrialise it. We've got to make sure it happens in every single care home, residential or nursing in every single part of England. That's when we'll see the success.
0: And What it looks like from the ambulance service is that we find that staff tend to be very risk-averse And so their default has tended in the past to be call for an ambulance because we're concerned that maybe we won't be able to provide adequate care. So I think there are some opportunities for us to explore how we can build the confidence and the capacity within the staff working in those environments. plus what we're also piloting and doing is looking at how we can use digital opportunities to provide consultancy advice, if you like, down the line to see to be able to see the patient in the care home setting.
3: Is it also an issue that our politicians are keenly focused on what's happening in terms of NHS funding without a similar focus on social care funding?
1: Uh, yes we do um, and there's been 13 green and white papers and commissions on social care in the last 20 years and nobody has come up with the conclusion. So. We have to be vigilant. There is no financially sustainable or service sustainable NHS without a sustainable social care system and vice versa. So, so this absolutely has to, has to be grasped.
2: And I'd agree with that. As an NHS leader, I would find it absolutely inconceivable and impractical for one part of the health and social care world to benefit and the other carry on in the extreme pressure that they are having. Um, and they have to be tackled together, especially when it comes to integrated care around older people, people who live in long-term conditions and children. So what
3: else needs to change in terms of ensuring there's a shift to a greater emphasis on what happens in people's homes, in care homes and in the community?
0: One of the things I've found is, as we go around um, our various counties, having conversations with different STPs and other healthcare economies, is that you don't always have the right people around the table. And um, what we've been constantly doing is when we've gone into some of those discussions, we've said we've needed to have the local council there um, participating in the discussion because its it's got to be a seamless approach for each patient. They, they come in on a journey and they need to be able to um, have gone through that care pathway, interacting with all of the organisations who need to have a meaningful um, impact on improving the experience that they have.
3: You've all got a very clear view of where we're going and how we get there and what the tools are and what the requirements are. But do we have the workforce to do this?
0: So I would say there's both a risk and an opportunity with regards to workforce. The risk is we currently don't have enough people um, with the right skills um, across all of the health sectors, if you like, up and down the country. Um, But the opportunities that exist for building capacity with regards to skills through rotational opportunities um, exist, but we need to have some very brave workforce discussions as systems whereby we plan collectively together what we need right across those health systems rather than just for one aspect of it.
2: And what do you think, Matthew? We need more. In our workforce gap at just in the NHS is, what, 46,000 people across all disciplines. So clearly we need to increase the supply. I think, though, we also need to increase the supply from our non-registered workforce and actually take a longer view about how they are trained and then come into our organisations through apprenticeship routes, etc. So I think we need some more latitude on how we spend the apprenticeship levy, not within a two-year cycle, but in the longer term planning. And I would suggest a good outcome for health and social care is just about linking those training opportunities with housing with long-term career planning and allow that to happen at a local base. The other enabler
3: in all of this is digital. How well prepared are we for the digital
2: revolution?
0: Our central ambulance service is very fortunate to be a global digital exemplar, which means that we've got some fantastic opportunities to now look at what we can do um, in terms of really using innovation to transform what we do with regards to care. So I think we're on the threshold of looking at what we can do um, but again, like a workforce plan, you need to have a digital plan with every health system and to be thinking about how innovation is going to help us do things in a smarter way.
2: I think we're, we're behind in the community healthcare sector. I think the two areas where I can see it being of great benefit is being able to connect ourselves in and out of hours, um, being able to see people, talk to each other more easily enables us to take risk. In a better way and share that clinical professional risk which is really important when you're making tough decisions around someone's status and how unwell they are and where you want to treat them.
1: Two further points to the ones that have been made. One is that the ability to join up people's records and information for pe- purposes of responding to their needs proactively in the way that's been described. So understanding what, what variation there has been and whether there are certain interventions that people should have had that you can tell from having that data. Secondly, we haven't, as a nation, taken a much advantage as other places like Japan and Germany in terms of assistive technology to help people to remain at home independently uh, in ways that support their care and treatment package.
3: And just to finish off, Lena, are you optimistic that we can achieve the shift in the way that care is delivered?
0: I feel tremendously optimistic. The conversations we've been having so far have been very positive and I've actually watched people start off from being quite nervous and a bit sort of anxious about having to talk to um, care partners in a different way to being very open-minded and collaborative.
2: Naturally optimistic, Phil, but um, just want to see that some of the national policy and money get flows in the right direction for my optimism to be uh, fulfilled.
1: I'm optimistic too. I'm convinced. I've seen enough in the last two, year, two to three years to realize to reckon that we can crack this. But it will require the sustainable funding that health and social care needs in proportion to. I reckon we spend less of GDP than many other, most other advanced countries by 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 several percentage, and that is not a sustainable position. So, if we want an efficient and world class health and social care system, we have to invest in it.
3: It's clear to see that the future is very much out there and that it will be vital that transformation and any future additional funding is prioritised towards delivering more health and care and higher acuity services in people's homes, care homes, through primary care and in local communities. I think we should regroup in five years' time and take stock of how far we've progressed. Until then, thank you to all my guests for your time today and thanks for listening.